pretty similar. Hello, everybody. Welcome, welcome. My name is Sue Ellis Seller, and I'm really, really honored today. Actually, let me go back just a second uh, from Spiritual Business Spotlight. And I'm really, really honored today to have Yara Salaya on from Array Tarot today. So hello and welcome. Hi. This is Hi. really exciting. Very I'm, exciting. It's like, it's, it's, it's going to be so much information and a shared experience that I think that a lot of people are going to gain so much from. Um, yeah. So I didn't know how you wanted to do this. I don't know if you wanted to ask questions or if I was just going to kind of go into it and ramble a little bit. Well, I think I would love to do a little bit of both actually. And I'm sorry, I'm looking down really quick. I just want to make sure that, um, I log in over here and can see what's going on in case anybody has any questions for you. So just in case it doesn't show up on the screen, then that way I can field any questions that come up. So we are going to talk about something that's been coming up a lot in the news, in life, in, and it should be an open conversation, really, and, and something that people, when we were talking before the interview, you said, you know, the more open we and honest we are about this, the better it's going to be. And that these discussions can get uncomfortable is what you said. For but sure. But it's not a reason to avoid them. Truth telling is an act of self-love. It's, it's showing up for yourself and trying to be authentic every day and making deliberate decisions to share that vulnerability right? Because we're going to make mistakes along the way. This today is not going to be perfect. I can, I can already tell you that, right? But we're going to do our best because we're doing it from our experience, from a place where we're trying to share a part of ourselves that people can learn from. And we tend to be those agents of change because of the line of the work that we do. And it's really important because if we're not doing it, who is? <laughs> right. Right, exactly. Right. And also doing it from a place of love and respect for one right. another, instead of a place where we're trying to back off of a heated argument or something like that, or where right. we're like, ooh, I said the wrong thing. Um, right. So can you give us a little bit of information about yourself so we can get some context about why you're an expert on this and the person to talk to today? So I have been working in behavioral health for over eight years. I have a passion for humans, <laughs> really. Um, and I've noticed that there's a pattern here in how we have a shared experience in adversity. And more than that, I feel like I have been brought to this earth to do light work, which means that I work with the spirit realm. And even within that, there has been... A, a pattern here again, and I'm gonna bring up this pattern in a second of separation and how it is that we're saturated with a lot of colonialism, which is another part of my work, which is decolonization and understanding that <clears throat> we've been taught as humans to live within a certain bubble of understanding, schooling, worker production, and within that, there's a stream of hierarchy of powers within it. And I'm here to help debunk, dismantle, and understand that we're 
all supposed to be working together to create a bigger, happier world. And I'm excited for this work. It's really hard work. It's very daunting work, but it's needed. And it's an understanding and it's a love and it's a profession of that love that, that excites me, that empowers me and that makes me want to keep going, right? Because it's, um, <clears throat> it's a lot of mistakes <laughs> um, and it's really trying to have a bigger understanding of the world of that's, that's surrounding us and being that, that bold voice amongst it all for people like me and people like you who are trying really hard to make an understanding of everything that's going on around us because the world seems like it's on fire, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's only so many fire extinguishers, but we got to keep going. We got to push through the uncomfort. And that's why I feel like, I don't know. Did I answer the question? <laughs> kind of, mostly. Yeah, definitely. So um, your background, you're a Native American living in Arizona, correct? No, I'm actually Mexican. Ah, okay. Um, but, well, yes. Yes, I'm indigenous, right? So oh. that's the fun part about me and like how Hispanic culture works is, okay. yes, we are indigenous. We come from indigenous backgrounds, but we also are separated, right? Because there's this idea of quantum blood. And um, so my history is Yaki from tribes here that is not too far away from me. And I grew up Hispanic, Mexican. I speak Spanish, but I don't speak <laughs> um, any native language, unfortunately. So yes and no. Does that make sense? Totally, totally. And this is one of the things like it's just come in, up in a bigger way in my life also because I have a friend of mine who who posted something about when they were colonizing, they were basically cutting everybody off from their dance, from their language, from their customs, from their communities. And and whitewashing everything, putting a Christian, you know, putting a cross at the end of the street and, you know, saying either you're Christian or you die, basically. Right. And you see that now still in yeah. some rendition or another, because my first reaction was to say no, like, and it's not a refutal. It's not that I'm trying to say no, I'm not native. It's just that sometimes I don't even feel I'm worthy <laughs> or something, right? And even within the same cultures, you're not Mexican enough to be Mexican. You're not American enough to be American. I'm having such an identity crisis all the time. And if I'm doing that, I can only imagine the people around me who are doing that. Now I'm constantly doing the work, right? I'm constantly telling myself, hey, the reason you are having this experience is because it's been torn away from you and your soul is asking for more of you to show up for yourself, to show up for everybody else. Um, yeah. Okay, good, good. And we have a question from Hope and Hope is a shaman and I've, I've talked to her before. You guys would probably get along. So I should introduce you to after this, but how do you have the conversation with people who don't understand your language or are not interested in changing? Is this a conversation that you would have or do you this feel is like where the white ally comes in because I can't. Okay. Um, and I think that's the topic of conversation today. Um, 
I can't do the work by myself. <laughs> I can't. There are people who never want to hear what I have to say and aren't interested in changing, but they have people surrounding them that they probably would listen to. And those people like you, Sue, need to have that conversation, need to make people very uncomfortable and push that barrier that tends to kind of always be lifted because people tend to think that we have to live in this society the way it is. And that's not true. Um, you change your mind about eating differently, right? Why would you, you know, conform to something that's not working for everyone? Because it's not, right. it's not working for everyone. It's not working for me. I've seen how this has impacted my life. I've seen how, how much I've pushed and pushed and pushed to, to fit into the norm. And no matter how much I always stand out because <laughs> my voice is loud. And when I present myself, I always come off as the aggressive one, right? Like I always come off as the one that has something to say. And it's not that I'm aggressive. I just, I, I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I, too, so I, <laughs> I wear Scorpio like it is my culture too, you know, like yeah. I definitely don't shy away from the things that often fear, right? Like it, it's, it's, it's fear. That's really what we're up against. And if I try to share that part, it scares the shit out of people. Of course it's, it's, it's out loud. It's saying that I'm proud to be here and that I'm going to take up space and that I'm not going to shy away from that because I've earned, not only have I earned my space, I just deserve it just because I am. You deserve it because you are. Yeah. <laughs> right? So yeah. that's the conversation today of there should be a super bold embracement of what it is to be a white ally because that in itself is also a little bit scary, right? You are going to be that person, that voice, that advocacy that we need. And it means that you have to almost put your body on the line because you're probably not going to get shot at, right? I saw this beautiful video that made me just cry because I'm super emotional, right? And I saw a 17-year-old teenage girl, <laughs> okay? She was a kid. And the cops, you know, there's all these protests and the cops are holding up their gun to a black man, black boy, I couldn't really tell. And the girl stood in front of the gun and said, no. Right. He put his gun down, right? Because that's the world we're living in, you know? Unfortunately. That's the thing that always, it, it just bugs me so much because I feel like we should be so much farther along than we are actually. But this, the past few years, I will say, has really brought a lot of this up to the surface to be healed, to be viewed, to be, um, to be dissected almost. And so how can a person like myself be a better ally? Because there's, uh, there's like a little bit of a trail onto this because a lot of people, myself included before this conversation started, um, overall and in general, we're just like, but I am an ally because this is, you know, because I love you and I don't, you know, I don't, I hate to say it this, this rashly, but I'm just like, I don't see color. I don't see, um, you know, culture. And then I didn't realize that in and of itself, those statements were actually horrible. Um, 
additional problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're exactly. awful. They're erasure, right? They're erasing yeah. me. Like you're saying that you don't see me, right? Like you have to see me. I'm in your face. Like I, I am brown and there's nothing wrong with that. Now here within yes, itself, I'm pretty, pretty pale for Hispanic, right? And that has allowed certain privileges in my life. So we have commonalities, believe it or not. Um, the fact that I can talk like this is a privilege, right? The fact that I've had an education is a privilege. So we have more in common. The differences is what scares people, right? And so with that said, how can you be a better ally? Well, let's start off by saying, don't take it personally. Yeah. It's not personal. It feels personal because it's very personal for us. So depending on who you're talking to, right, you're going to have a different experience for one, but it's not personal. This is a lived experience for us. And um, you have to assume racism is everywhere all the time. It, I mean, just accept it as a truth. It is. I have to act different when I'm around you guys. I do. I have I have a different almost persona because I don't fit in. I'll never fit in. I'm not supposed to, but I'm not accepted. So when I've had to work in professional environments, I have to almost develop a whole nother persona, but I can't hide who I truly am. And that's really the issue. <laughs> and so it leads over to having more conversations with people that look like me, that look black, that look native, that look anything else but white, because everybody's also within that having a different experience and you don't know how colonized their minds are even because our minds are colonized, our, our spirit is colonized. So there are people that grow up looking like me in all white neighborhoods that are having a completely different experience, right? Um, there's a, an ideal that we have to persevere through this daily daily. I don't, I, I, as I'm building my business, I'm also thinking, geez, there's this whole white people thing going on over here. And I don't seem to fit in into that. I don't necessarily want to, but um, I don't fit in. Right. So then you kind of come along and help like, Hey, I noticed. <laughs> right. And you do that. And this is just examples, right. Um, being heard, actually listening to people. That's how you become a better ally. Um, don't assume that you know what's best for me because, or people of color, because again, different regions in America are actually living through this differently. I'm in Arizona and it was a very, very Republican state with recent elections. We became a blue state, which was really, really phenomenal, right? Like we saw a great change in that, but in, in another context, like normally, like when Obama got elected, I cried. I was sad. I was 18. I was happy. I was elated. I felt so many things. This time around, even though I saw this big change, I didn't cry. I felt like we should have been here. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, there's There was a lot of, you know, anyways. Um find out more about us by asking those questions, those uncomfortable questions, you know, um, 
try not to be afraid to ask the questions, which is kind of hard because you never know where you're walking, right? But that's what kind of, that's the bravery you need. Can you imagine what it's like? You got just got to ask questions. We got to, <laughs> we got to stand up to this shit every day. Sorry, I keep cussing. But see, for me, finding out about your background, your culture, your history, the way that you connect with the earth and everything ar around you and the the way that you interact and, and the differences to me is fascinating. To me, it's exciting. To me, it's, it's learning more about people because in the same way that you love people, I love people. So is, is it, am I seeing this wrong? Somehow? It's not that you're seeing it wrong, right? Like, because my experience, only my experience, I can't tell you for everybody else, but you see how you're easily connecting to my culture. I'm reconnecting too. Okay. Yeah. It's okay. also a reconnection for me because I've been torn away from it. I've right. been told it was wrong my whole life, whether it was from Catholicism or from, you know, the, the intergenerational trauma that's going on there. Like okay. there's so much there. I'm even having a hard time sometimes connecting. And it's not to say that I don't connect or, you know, but it's, there's a separation there for sure of being told it was wrong. And then you had to, I had to kind of remove all of those notions and then say, this is who I am. This is, this is part of where I come from. Right. And so the appreciation that you have, while well, it's beautiful and, and I accept it. It wasn't always easy for me. I had to relearn all those things and no one there to guide me. I just kind of had to do it. You know what I mean? Because I knew that I stood out. I knew that there was something off about all of this. And it is like an unveiling too, because um, you're being, you're when you're having conversations with spirit, they're constantly telling you like, remember who you are. Remember, you know, like the Mufasa thing, right? I bring that up all the time and it's been coming out for me over and over. And I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, because it, if I say I'm a high priestess, it must mean something, right? Like I'm not just the background kid. I'm at the forefront saying there's something to what I know <laughs> that yeah. is pressing me, that is pushing me and saying, break the barriers, keep going, don't stop. Even though all I want to do is stop because being the center, being, being here is a target on my back too. Right. That's scary. That's really scary. You can have this conversation and nothing will come from it. I can't have this conversation all the time. There's Sandra Bland. I don't know if you ever heard her story. She was a lot like me, having open conversations, a YouTube channel. Um, she gets arrested over nothing. She goes to jail and she dies. Had no health issues. Why? God forbid you get, ever get arrested because I don't know what would happen if they YouTube me. <laughs> you know, that's scary. And that is my lived experience. And see, that's an experience that up until a certain point in time recently, a lot of people were kind of sheltered from, like living this bubble. And, and can I write her name? Because Hope is, yeah. Hope is watching. She says, to as a person of color, she struggles to find allies in the very small rural community oh, yeah. she lives in. 
and she finds that she stands as herself as an ally to herself and hopefully she can change hearts and minds just with her presence and well, then reach out girlfriend because we're out here it's just <laughs> we're we're small in number right um, and we are building a little army like i i make a lot of references to movies because Harry Potter is my favorite, but we are the rebellion, right? We are, we are standing up against something much bigger than us, but I am that one that says we can do it. Like right. we may not see the product of our work. And that's the other sad point of view of this. I will be doing this maybe for the rest of my life. Hopefully <laughs> that's the goal, right? But I will probably never see the fruit of this labor. And I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. No, like, I'm being that. honest. Like, I may not ever see it. Not because I didn't put the work into it. Not because I... It's because that's how small this bubble is. Right. And I have to push that much harder to make it a bigger bubble. To put it out there. To open those eyes. I don't know how many times I have clients sitting in front of me. And I tell them, have you heard of this? Have you heard of that? And they're looking at me like... And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I get scared because I'm like, I got my work cut out for me because I'm not just doing tarot readings on their personal life. I'm trying to debunk entire mentalities around this thing, even within my own culture and black culture and native culture, all these cultures that surround me, because I am seen as like, okay, I think, you know, something that I don't know. <laughs> and I do. And then at the same time, I'm like, hey. We are our best ally too, right? Like we can only best advocate for ourselves. We have to wake up. We have, there's an awakening concept to this. Right. And it hurts. It's just like spirituality. You remember those weird parts where you're like, I'm going crazy, bitch. I'm going crazy. And in part, it's true you are. <laughs> it was the awakening. There's something more to what's going on here. And you start to align. The concept of all of this is like that, especially as a spiritual warrior. There is an embracement that happens and you have to allow it. I hope you allow it. It's scary. It's It works your nerves sometimes because you're like, wow, that's a big, big statement here. Like this is in my face now and I have to do something about it because it's here. You're being asked to do something. This is powerful work, you know? Um, it, it's allowing yourself to have a grief process over it too. Um, that's why it's so uncomfortable. Right. Because the concept of denial is right at the forefront. Right at right at on top, just boom, right in your face. No, not me. If you're the first to react and say not me, it's probably you. <laughs> well, and see, that's that's like a part of it that I have to also find within myself that I have to say, well, you know, I try my very best, but maybe I'm not trying my very best. Maybe there's something that I'm overlooking or something, you know, or that I can just open up and not make it about me, make it about you. You know what I mean? And, and just say, here's my platform here. Talk. I need you to, you know, like I need to make a safe space 
for you. Right. And if I can, you know, add a little bit of soap to your bubble so it doesn't, you know, so that it can get bigger and can reach farther. Um, there's a guilt process to this too, right? Like there's something literally that we call white guilt. And it's natural to feel that way, right? Historically, you have in your body trauma as well but you don't know it, right? And your ancestry says, take, 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 right? And you've reaped all the reward. And within all of this reward of this abundant lifestyle, now this is not to say that there are no poor people in white culture, in, in, in European culture, in Anglo-Saxon culture, no, 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 no. This is, it's a, it's a lived experience. It's a, it's like a, does that make sense what I'm trying to say? Like it's a. It does. In, in a way, this was another question I wanted to ask you or talk to you about really, because like m my grandpa, like his mom was half Indian, American Indian, like I think Cherokee, but of course we, you know, are white presenting or, you know, so how does somebody who has, a native background or an indigenous background kind of use their current situation because I can understand I grew up in, in near Gary, Indiana. So I totally understand white privilege and what it does. Like but so like, the question that I have like you know <laughs> It's a so hard let, me, one let me kind of finish that thought really quick before I get to okay, that. Sorry. So within, so within that bloodstream, right? You know how we do cord cutting in our regular spiritual work from things that happen to us every day that we've never really let go of. Okay. There is a lineage there an understanding there that we also have to cut cords with. And that is the guilt that we usually feel. And I say we, because there's still a we factor in there because I still sometimes privilege from some things. Now it'll never be white privilege entirely because I'm not white, right? But there's colorism concepts within my culture. We've been separated by if you're fairer skinned, you're more accepted. If you're lighter skinned or darker skinned, you're not, right? So there's a rendition of that that I can have a shared experience with, but not quite the same. In order to overcome that guilt, in order to move forward through that, you have to make a production of it. You have to use that guilt to produce no different than you would sadness and then decide, okay, you know what? I'm going to use this energy to do something with it. It is that shame, that guilt is a catalyst for what you can do through actions. It can only be through actions. Unlike spiritual work, this can only be through actions. There's no cord cutting here. <laughs> right. Right. There's no yeah. shortcuts. There are none, unfortunately. This can, because I, I feel like we were deliberately put here in the exact color, in the exact skin, right? Like we know that because that's how we were born. We're like, okay, we were born into this experience. Got to do something with it now. Right. You're being chosen. Right. You're having this conversation because it's happening. So you asked, I have a lineage. There's a drop or two in there of 
something outside of me, right? Outside of what experience I've had. So you can't identify as a person of color. You can only identify (laughs) as white and that's okay. And that's okay. You can share an understanding. You can place empathy at the forefront. Compassion. It's really important that um, you don't say those things like, oh, I have Cherokee in my, we're like, okay. (laughs) We can't do anything with that information. You will never ever feel what we feel, unfortunately. And that's not to take away from you the fact that you want to connect, you know? Right. It's just that if your if your lineage was colonized and you were taught that you had to be light complected and you and the rape kept coming and you came out the way you did, that means you have more work to do. Right. You know what I mean? So it 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 shouldn't take away from the spiritual experience, but I wouldn't put it as of uh as a forefront you know and say hey i have a history and in, in you know my family history is in the cherokee nation because it's not gonna happen like it doesn't even happen for me and i'm closer you know what i mean my grandfather's yaki my mom looks straight yaki her children don't didn't come out that way right my sister has green eyes you know what i mean like it's it's different like we look different and that's okay too doesn't mean that I'm not having this experience. It doesn't mean that I have not experienced these things. And it's constantly that validation that we have to give ourselves, you know, because most people don't believe me when I say, hey, I've had this experience. And they're like, no, you didn't. Oh, it, it's just you. It's you. It's me every time. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that can't be true. Right. Well, in the same way that people are saying, well, yeah, if he had just followed the rules and said what the did what the officer told him to do and hadn't caused trouble to begin with, then he wouldn't have had that problem. So and the, the experience that women have is not police officers. Usually it's hospitals. My yeah. birthing experience was awful. It left me so traumatized. I've never had more children as a result. My white nurse was awful. Really? Yes. I'm all like, where did you give birth? Because I gave birth at um, Maricopa County. Good Sam. Okay. Good Sam. And it's a teaching hospital, which I didn't know because I was young and I didn't look up those things. I didn't, I didn't think that we were animal rats, you know, like, you know, like something that you, you know what I'm trying to say? Like we're being tested on where we're the subjects, you know? And I, I look back at these experiences now and it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised, but it's sad because you think that we move past these things, but we don't, Right. you know, we're always the test subjects. We're, we're, we're always at the, at the preface of that. And it's sad. Um, when working in, and this is not necessarily our case or it has not my case right now, (laughs) it won't be, um, 
when you are working in the world, when you have to work with a lot of people, especially, for example, here in Arizona, where we're outnumbered, <laughs> for sure. Um, as a white person, it's important to notice who's at the center of, um, of power. When I was working at my last job, the higher you go up, the whiter it gets. And you never see those people in person. They are just the ones reaping the benefits of my work. So I'm getting paid this nominal fee, right, to, to work, an exchanged amount, doing this buttload of work, and the people at the top are reaping the reward. That systematic is also, that systematic hierarchy is also how we are down here and stay down here. And we're never heard. I remember sitting with the director of my company, explaining to her that I was sexually harassed at my job. I was telling her all my experiences. Like I, they just kind of word vomited out. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, well, had I known sooner, I probably would have done something about it. Hmm. <laughs> and you're sitting there in disbelief, like, wow, okay. You know, and this is somebody who constantly pushes the agenda of, I'm no different than you are. In fact, I married Hispanic, so I, I can actually relate. No, you can't. You're still white. You know, like, it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't matter how your proximity to the, anybody, you, you could have married whoever. You are still having your experience. And dismantling that frame of mind is 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 hard because again there's a denial there of I can't or I shouldn't or because I live in this space I I probably am not no that's not true at all whatsoever you know um every battle you face is not the war that is going on there is so many layers to this we can't even cover them all in this hour. <laughs> like yeah. It's just not going to happen. But within that, know that your voice is really powerful within it. Because as you take that stance against the injustice, as you watch it and actually say something, you can't deny it anymore. Right. You can't. Had I had the right person at my side, you know, having that com difficult conversation with the director of that job, that that experience would have been completely different. Right. But we were both women of color, by the way, having that conversation. So it wasn't going to happen. And she was having a very lived experience of being denied, 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 denied. And I watched it play out and I'm sitting here like, okay, <laughs> this is what it is. Like, and I, I had to keep working through that, like just saying, okay, well, I'm just showing up because I have to make money. I have to live, you know? And that's what we are really are showing up to. We have an understanding amongst the people of color that we are not gonna have the same experience as our counterpart at all. And that we have to kind of be complicit in our own colonization, which is really sad. Very. It's 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 complicit. Like I I don't know how to explain that. Like 
it's not because we want it. We don't have a choice in it. <laughs> like, um, that brings me to a second part is if you see a person of color come into power in any shape or form, support them. Right. It doesn't mean that you are not going to criticize their work. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to agree with everything that they do. No, but that's, that's an embarkment for us of, wow. <laughs> right. Like for us, it's huge. Right. When I was doing my initial spirituality work way back when I went to, um, I won't say her name. She's really popular out here. She almost had a show too. <laughs> um, and I showed up and I was the only Mexican person there. There was no black people. I was just the only person of color. And I felt so off. I was like, I would have thought that there would be more people here. Cause I can't be the only one who believes in angels. Right. Like, and I thought, and I felt off. Like it, it feels off. Like you, being the only person, I always, always challenge white people to go somewhere where they're the minority. You know what I mean? That's step one. Make yourself feel like, <laughs> so you feel what we feel all the time. Um, it helps just to understand that part. Um, notice the conversations going on in the background if you are a person of, you know, who's white and you're in a room full of white people notice the conversations be okay to stand up to those conversations yes you're going to be called out and be called the weirdo you're going to be called out and say we can't get along with her good you're doing it right right you know be be okay with that be okay with being the the agent right like you are secret agent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but a not so secret agent and and really I think it's important to I don't want to get a badge and be like, I'm an agent. Woohoo! Look at me. But right. I just want to say, you know what, I'm making space for this. I have to look at my own self and reflect on, like you said, like going along with that colonization and also to examine my own thoughts about this, like my own guilt thoughts, my own shame thoughts, my own, you know, um, just different ideologies that I have that have unconsciously in most cases, you know, um, added to this. And that's, where we're at right now, I feel like, yeah, uh, you know, even just to assume that we're safer to do this now and not to be able, and I want to write her name in this, um, the, the YouTuber that you were talking about. What is her name again? Sandra Bland. Okay. Because for me, I'm, you know, and even seeing the BLM movement going on and, and being a part of like trying to, you know, like the past four years has really kind of um, opened my eyes to a lot of the extreme hate 
in America that I thought we were hopefully getting beyond, but I didn't realize that it was such a huge percentage like that. It was, it was deliberately placed there by the same system that created it. Yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. And that's why I'm saying that often you're reaping the rewards and you don't even know it. And that's the sad part is you're also in a, in a form colonized, right? Like, you're being removed. It's okay. So this is an extreme example, but it is one, you know? So here we are Germany, Nazi war, you know, we have kids growing up in Germany. What do they know about the war? What do they know about what's going on next door? I remember reading a story once about a kid who thought it was snowing outside. That's not snow, honey. (laughs) Like you understand, like those are the extremities of the war that's being played right now. Right. You know, when when I work in the human services industry, the disproportionate amount of children that look like me that aren't white, you know, cause not to say that there aren't white children in there. There's just a disproportionate, there's poor white children in there that nobody gives a fuck about, which is really sad, right? Because there's classism here too at play but it's not surprising to me that that's the backs we're also making money off of, right? Because they don't educate families. They don't put enough money to educate families. They don't put enough money to reunify kids with their families. Why? They're still making money off of our backs. Right. Some way, somehow, we're colonized in every angle, no matter how you look at this, at every angle. I never felt like I was doing anything while I worked there. I never felt like, oh my God, I'm actually making a difference. Because that's the whole point of becoming a, a helper, going to school for it, right? Like you, you, you dedicate your life to this. And I'm like, okay, all right. Maybe <laughs> all of this was to show me the reality of what I needed to do, right? Because I can get, you know what's funny? I can get people past their personal problems all the time. That's the easy part. Most people say that's the hard part, right? Because these helpers are, they struggle, like, because it's hard. But that's the easy part. It's the bigger scheme of things that now I have to make this healed person want to become a helper and go help other people to understand that we're playing a bigger role here. Right. Well, and when you look at it from this space of, you know, something that I've been thinking about, you know, I'm watching The Crown or whatever and watching some of the speeches that they made that were very, you know, we came in and we made everything proper and God has appointed us to be. And it's just like, you know, and even seeing in this day and age how people like you were saying, the classism of it, how the there are certain people who have abused the system and continued on with this colonization because then they're profiting from the backs of their brothers and sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, and continuing with this process. And it's just like, once you start peeling back these layers and seeing how deep and far and ingrained 
this is. It's not like you can just pull it out and, you know, like a, like a nice little weed or whatever. And you could just be like, right. okay, you're just like, wait a second. The weed is supposed to be there. The grass is what's not natural. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, so yeah. Um, this is what I refer to the capitalist patriarchy in its separatism, right? Because capitalist patriarchy is a feminist movement, but I don't know what else to call it because that was the best name. They picked the best name for it. Um, capitalism within itself is very racist, very classist. Then we have a patriarchy <laughs> that serves men, white men in particular. And we won't even have a conversation about white gay men because that is a whole <laughs> you know, they don't even accept that they're, you know, they're like, well, we're gay, so we're different. Oh no. <laughs> right. Um talk about how your experience within just your life and how you've been exposed to all this truth. And if it's not stunning you, then you're doing it wrong because it should. Step one, now you're aware. Step two, start peeling back the layers within yourself. The more self-work you do around this, the more productive you already are. The more productive you already are. You know what I mean? Then keep going. <laughs> it doesn't stop. And I think it never ends in some context, at least within our lifetime. Because the more I look, you know, it's, it's like those movies. <laughs> where the impending doom <laughs> is right there. And I have to constantly be this force of light of shielding my son, my family, the people I love, my clients. Because every time they come here, I'm constantly protecting them in this thing. Because it's very real for me. And the more awakened you are to it, the, the, it, it does kind of take a toll at your soul a little bit. Cause you're like, holy moly, this is, this is big. This, this is not little by any means. And this experience has been this sad for me for this reason. And so disheartening and so heartbreaking. Cause I have cried over and over thinking, Am I crazy? Like, am I, and, and, you know, is, is this really happening to me? You know, and it was always was. I just couldn't accept it because I wanted more than nothing else than to be a part of the group. You know what I mean? Than to be a part of why everybody's excited, why we're pushing, you know, change, especially in behavioral health. Right. Like I, I knew that to be my truth. That's what I went to school for. But there is something bigger at play here that I couldn't play with. I couldn't understand how to conform. I didn't want to conform. I don't need to conform. I remember sitting. I'm not going to say her name because in case she watches this, I don't want her to be mad at me. But I used to call her mom. And she was this older Black woman. And it's so sad that we always rely on our older Black women. <laughs> and it's not on purpose. It's our safe space to tell us, how do I get through this? And her advice was, oh, honey, you just got to push through and remember what you're here for. And we were here for the clients, right? We, we're here to help people 
get through their next phase because they can't even surmount to the fact that I'm here, which is really, really sad because it feels like after I've already healed my trauma, my personal life, my thing, which is always ongoing, right? Now there's more layers and it doesn't end. And that is like, what in the world? How, how, <laughs> how is it this bad, right? But it's not to take away from the fact that within me is the bravery, that within you is the bravery to continuously face this and say, no, not today. This is what we're not gonna do. I needed to go through that. I needed to understand that. And that I don't often have a whole lot of white allies next to my side. I don't. I have trust issues when it comes to that. And it's okay for me to have trust issues. White people often tell me, you're afraid of me, aren't you? No, I'm not afraid. I'm cautious. I'm cautious. And I'm very vocal about it. Usually. You know what I mean? Because the school system is colonized. My son goes to a school and there are not a whole lot of teachers that look like me. And we live in a predominantly Hispanic and black community and that doesn't make sense, right? So how is this happening? Decolonization work is huge, huge. And like, so just digging in and just giving you space and just respecting that my experience has been different than yours. And are there resources that I can use? Because I know that um, I don't want to pass on the work of, you know, the emotional uh, labor or even the educational labor to you. For me to say, like exactly what you're saying, because I was living in Arizona before I moved here, as you know, so I'm kind of a little bit more familiar with the system than perhaps other people are. But like, you know, sometimes I come up to this, like dot, dot, dot. Okay, Sue, what's, what's the next step for you? Like, how can I be more supportive? Or is it a thing about giving a platform? Is it a thing about, um, you know, I think you know my political thing. I think anybody who follows me knows my political thing. Um, but how can I push this further with you or hold you up or support you or what can I do? So <laughs> are, you, are you talking specifically about me or just my people? Overall. Or Overall. And you, because you're my friend and I want to help you. And I don't want to be like, hey, Nora, I don't know this thing, you know. <laughs> um, well, I think it's really important to, like I told you earlier, I mean, spiritual business in general saturated with white people. We need to change that a little bit because... I was just reading an article about this yesterday. Um, it wasn't an article, actually, it was a TikTok. So algorithms are lining up, 
right? Like algorithms line up to what you pay attention to and what you like and what you share. Uh -huh. So it is, it, TikTok is, and it's saturated with actually good information. And if you don't know, you can Google it right after and then go find more resources, right? So algorithms are actually a blessing in disguise. You just got to kind of know how to feng shui with it a little bit. Um, within that, um, I've learned, and this is what I was getting at, is that mindfulness wasn't even mindfulness until it became scientifically proven and then people took it seriously. So the idea that is that it was colonized because something doesn't work until a white person touched it, right? Okay. And that's not true because obviously this has existed before everything because that's my understanding of it. And, you know, so you hear these things and they're not necessarily untrue. <laughs> like, and even within itself, psychology being, being colonized the fact that its fathers its forefathers were all white and that people thought that we didn't have systems already in place for people you know my indigenous background because we already had things in place we didn't think there was anything wrong with gay we thought that there was two spirits within us right and so that evolved nations already had systems in place. So informing yourself on these things are really important, right? The best thing you could do is inform yourself for our people. You know, it is overwhelming how much of our culture, our schooling, because you went to a school just like I did, right? Like here in America and how we're taught you know, Christopher Columbus was the founder and he found America. No, it was already here and there was people living on it, right? right? Exactly. And more so than that, there were, there are powerful people there, not just Christopher Columbus. And there were more people doing executions. My people still suffer from these things. And there are, maybe never be a vindication because I don't think revenge is ever what we seek. I think we do and truly are seeking an alliance at the end of it. And within that, there has to be, um, a surrender, you know, a white flag of, hey, I'm really trying here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because we don't see that. We don't. We see Trump on TV yelling at us, telling us build a wall. We see, uh, I, I, I will go outside and I see Trump stickers and I see things that don't feel good in my heart or my stomach or my spirit or anything. And my son is growing up here and that's scary. That is like literally my experience. And the only way that that will get better is <laughs> when people extend their arm and say, nope, we're not going to let you feel that way. And if I tell you you're wrong, be okay with that. I remember I have I have a professor and 
initially she feels very safe, right? Cause that's, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm learning now that I probably shouldn't. <laughs> and um, she feels very safe and she talks about being Jewish and her, and, and, you know, her experience as a descendant from, you know, a long history of oppression within her family that she can date back. And there's a privilege in being Jewish. You're still white. And people don't like to hear that. Jewish people are the worst about that. They're like, no, but I, it's not an oppression Olympics. You know, we're not competing as to who's more oppressed. Hey, at least you knew who your grandmother's name was. I couldn't even tell you if I really wanted to. You know, like, we're not, we're not. <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? Yeah. And she would talk about these things, I think, as a form to relate. And then turn around and say how my experience was off. You can't do that. You have to actually respect that space. And she would bring up the time that she grew up in the Leave it to Beaver era. So things were different. Mm. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know that they were different. This unveiling that you're seeing that's happened, you know, the whole, I thought we were further along was placed there for you guys, but it wasn't for us. This has been our experience this entire time. This entire time. I can't even tell you what my parents have gone through. I don't want to, because I'll cry. They're so strong. So I'm not surprised that this is where we're at now, but at the same time, you know, I'm grateful. We're, we're moving. <laughs> the train is moving very slow, but it's moving. Right. Well, and that was my worry as well, seeing what has happened and come up and what's going on right now in America is really that things would start slipping backwards, which is something that I didn't want to see at all. It's just like, you know, and that's the whole part of the purpose of finding out how to be a better ally is so that you can move forward instead of slipping backwards. And so that I can, like, I don't want to say that I don't understand that you had a different experience than I did because I understand that you did. And it's really, really hard for me as a person. And it's hard. I think some people just lack empathy. They can't see that, well, you're a modern woman who's living in a house and who's able to be single and, and do, you know, have a job and work out of the home and this and that and the other thing. But you're just like, well, there's always this layer or this this invisible shield. Like if you think that all women have like a um, a glass ceiling, my ceiling is just a lot lower and my office space is a lot more cramped and I have to push harder to break through the ceiling, basically. So, Not just harder, but you almost have to realize that, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to this in me that allows me to be very positive about it because today you saw a very <laughs> passionate, saddened a little bit uh, version of me, but I'm also this like, hey, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to, you know, and keeping that same stamina all the time is really harder, a lot harder on me too, 
because I have this expectancy of being strong because I'm a woman of color. Uh, black women go through this a lot, being told you're strong, you gotta be stronger. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're tired. <laughs> like, we've already almost exhausted ourselves and we only get a tippet of, of the bigger picture of the cake, you know? So if we don't have that help, you know, how, how that, and I'm not saying that to be funny or, or like to be like, you know, you have to help. Like that's, that's what you said you were going to do. You're a helper. So you have to get in there. You got to get your hands dirty. One of the scariest parts of a lot of people going into the, the behavioral health, because that's my best analogy, because it's what I worked in, is in becoming a helper is actually when you get in there, <laughs> how scary it actually is to be in the trenches. That work is actually saturated in a lot of white people because therapists tend to get degrees while people like me don't because we can't afford to take an internship because we don't have something to rely on, whereas white people tend to have generational wealth, right? And you get white families, or sorry, 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 you get uh, colored families, you have all these color families, and you have a white therapist in the center of it saying, help me. That's not helpful. You're having a completely different experience and you're going to tell us to breathe it out. <laughs> right. You know? And we don't need to breathe right now. We need to eat. We need, I mean, there's so many things wrong with the system as it is, but it would be much more helpful for that therapist to help advocate for hiring more people that look like me. Right. Oh, yeah. that makes so much more sense because there are things, like I said, that you can't understand, that I can't understand about that you would be like, oh my gosh, I totally can relate where I would be like at a loss a little bit. Right. Yeah. So in order to be of help, you have to get really uncomfortable and say, help me help you too. Right. Tell me what to do. Tell me how I can actually help you and, and, and do it. Right. Get in there and, and just, say, okay, I don't have all the answers this time. <laughs> like I normally, and not to say that you normally do, but normally would, I guess. And, and be that strong, strong person that you're capable of being and understand that truth telling, being authentic, being vulnerable through it. Um, is going to dismantle this layer by layer. I think that's a really good way to kind of wrap up the conversation too. So being an ally and offering you support and always saying, hey, Yara, hey, Hope, hey, anybody, if you wanna talk about this, if you want to come on and share your experience, so that we can add more voices to the community so that we can bring this more to the forefront, normalize this conversation, normalize a person saying, but hey, I thought I was, I was trying my best, but there's more that I could do. 
And so finding out what more I can do is super important to me. So, yeah. and I really appreciate, we were going to talk, I was like, hey, you want to talk about like, well, we, I was going to talk to you about like power, which was definitely a part of this. It probably well. would have brought this up anyways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Power is definitely behind all of this and it makes sense, right? Because people seeking control, seeking that, uh, that bubble, <laughs> want to have that power and, and, it make, and it makes sense, right? Right. Um, I think this conversation might need to keep going another time because I think that because there are layers, we need to talk about all these systems that I'm talking about because it kind of seems like I'm talking about, you know, something that you don't know anything about, right? But there are systems at play here in multiple systems and how that works in the world around us with our clients and how it is that they're thinking so confined, you know, in their, in their systems and patterns. Um, Cause you brought up for a second there that, um, Oh shoot. What did you say? Okay. never mind. Just kidding. You said something really important, but I'll bring it up next time. Cause I'll remember. And then I'll be like, that was what I needed to say. Well, don't say just kidding. Say until I remember what it was that you're talking about. <laughs> and then maybe we can have a panel the next time and, and also bring like Hope was very interested in the conversation. So maybe she'll want to come on as well. And then I can make a stage for the two of you and continue to support you and energetically and also play the stupid white person who doesn't really fully understand it. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm, I'm characterizing and I'm, I'm totally, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I think that there are people who have really good intentions, but they don't realize that they're adding to the problem, you know? So I would, yes, very, yes. Um, you're not stupid. I'm grateful that, you are allowing this space, right? Like it's really important for us because we're not being heard often. And I know that you're gonna hold yourself accountable because that's who you are. And that's probably the most important thing out of this and how you help others become accountable, um, teaching this to your children because they end up being a louder voice than we are because they're braver. and. Um, we create these little beings that are like us, but stronger, right? Like, and they end up being those people that we need. My child will be that eventually, hopefully <laughs> working on it. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I am keeping my door open for you and my inbox. And if anybody wants to get a hold of you to talk to you about this or to book a session with you or to get some help from you, guidance, support for unraveling their own inner work, how would somebody get a hold of you? So I have a website at arraytarot.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook at Array Tarot 444. And then I also have an Instagram at Array underscore Tarot. Um, I have a TikTok, but I don't remember. I think it's just at Array Tarot. I don't know how to look that one up yet. 
<laughs> but those right. are just the mediums in order to get a hold of me. Okay. So, um, all right, Tara 444, Facebook. And then, or was that Instagram? I'm sorry. I'm trying to write. Facebook. Yeah. Okay. And just array tarot on Instagram. Thank you so much for your time and your patience and your energy and your, yeah, just sharing with us. Thanks. I'm, um, I'm grateful for the experience. Thank you. Me too. Definitely. And I'm grateful to have you as a friend. <laughs> Me too. Yes, definitely. So, okay. Well, everybody again, Yara, say, oh gosh, I'm sorry. Yara, okay. And <laughs> I have put all of Yara's information in the comments so you can get a hold of her if you would like to. So again, thank you. Everybody take thank care. You. Do your best. And we can all work to move things forward. This is why we're having these conversations. This is why we're doing the work that we're doing because we all want to see the world be a much better place. So for everybody, mm -hmm. take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye.